All right, and we are live. Assalamu alaikum, everyone, my fabulous Umarpreneurs. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Umarpreneur Live podcast. Today, I am joined by Abdul Shakur, which I'm sure a lot of you have already met or listened to. He was the first one to join us on this podcast in episode one, and he was gracious enough to share his time with us today and come back for another special episode this time where we talk about the psychology of selling, where we talk about sales, what it means, how to sell, how to ethically sell without feeling awkward or pushy and all of that good stuff. So if you guys want to get better at sales, if you guys want some advice on how to really approach that sales call or those sales situations where you might have trouble or you might not feel comfortable selling your services, especially if they're priced a bit high. Well, we're going to talk about that. And I honestly couldn't find a better guest to bring on for this topic other than Abdul Shakur, who has an immense amount of sales experience and entrepreneurial experience to join me today. So we can talk about sales and give you the insights you need to succeed, inshallah. Abdul Shakur, thank you so much for joining me, my man. Appreciate you being here today. Yeah, I appreciate being on. And I think, uh, you know, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because um, previously, yeah, we, you, know, we, you tend to do the introductions, but it's nice that we can both have a have a uh, conversation on this topic and have yeah. it a bit more natural as opposed to, okay, you know, let's just bring it just about me or the interview itself. So <laughs> this time it's nice to come back and provide a bit more value. Awesome. Exactly. And so this episode, guys, you heard it from Abdul Shakur. It's going to be raw. It's going to be uncut. It's going to be real. I'm not going to be doing just interviewing. It's really going to be more of a conversation, inshallah, where we're both going to try to help you guys as much as you can and answer a few questions. So make sure to drop yourselves questions in the comments. Make sure to watch the whole thing, interact, and stay tuned because there's going to be a lot of gold being dropped today. And I think the best way to start this episode, Abdul Shakur, is to really start with the question of what sales even means to you. What does a sale or what does sales as a topic mean to you exactly? If you ask me uh, a number of years ago, sales was a transaction. It's a an exchange between uh, a value. It's an exchange between money. It's you're providing one thing for another. Yeah. Um, recently, though, I, I'd like to switch my mind a bit because, it's especially you know, if so many people struggle with sales, and I've realized all the high performers in sales, they see sales as an act of service. Right. So you're selling yourself, but you're actually you're doing this because it's an act of service. You're actually trying to help someone rather than it being more about, OK, I'm trying to make money here. I'm trying to make a living. The, the money is just an exchange, but the yeah. sales in itself is an act of service, in my opinion. Yeah, 100 percent. And I honestly think it's the same. And a lot of people are transitioning to this mindset right now as well, which is they are starting to realize that. You know, there's more to sales than just trying to get the other person's money or trying to get whatever it is you're going for. Uh, and I, I really think that the basis of sales and the basis of a transaction is to try. I mean, if you, if you, let's rewind that a bit. If you, if you rewind to a time where money and and currency was not even a thing anymore, where people didn't exchange paper bills. People would exchange items of equal value, right? People would kind of meet together and they'd be like, all right, listen, I have this, I'm a hunter, I have this fur, or maybe I'm a merchant and I have access to these spices uh, that I got from this other country and I'm bringing them here and I'll, I'll give them to you in exchange for food or in exchange for a piece of, of silver that you have, right? Or a piece of gold or whatever it is that you have that could be of equal value. Whereas now, as we've slowly transitioned in the modern world to a situation where we're selling products for a paper bill, I feel like that the uh, the concept of equal value has slowly distorted itself, uh, if you know what I mean. And it's kind of people now are starting to, under, to look for how can I just make as much money as possible 
from this product or from the service or from whatever it is that I'm I'm offering. And when when they start to approach it from that situation versus the how can I serve my customer or how can I give the person that's making a transaction with me something of equal value that will benefit them that I know will make a difference in their lives. Those are those become two very different situations or mindsets to approach the sales conversation with. I mean, do you feel do you think that that would make a difference in the conversation itself that you would have with that customer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's funny enough, I was looking at some research not too long ago and I was learning that reward based selling doesn't really work anymore. So if you think about, you know, I've I've worked in sales roles in the past or I've I've done traditional sales in the past where, you know, that you get a UN commission. But the best sales teams I've got don't, you know, don't look at don't look at you know sales or targets or, or reaching targets as a way to oh okay i want this reward or i want this goal of money or house you know that doesn't work anymore um yeah. and in terms from a customer point of view you have to feel like actually you're actually doing some good like i remember doing door charity work years ago and a very similar thing we had to feel like we are making an impact among these children around the world and then go out and, and represent that charity rather than saying okay i gotta knock 100 doors and i gotta get three sales per the doors it's just it, it just no longer is, it motivates people and excites yeah. people. But yet people still look at the reward or still look at the end goal when they don't when they need to when they need to fall in love with actually the, the customer and, and what they're going to be doing for that person or the transformation they're going to have for that person. Mm-hmm. And I think that brings up a really interesting topic, which is when you have certain when you I think when you're in a pinch or when you're in a situation I think a lot of us are entrepreneurs here and we have some certain financial goals which is completely natural I'm not saying at all that you shouldn't have goals for yourself when it comes to the income that you generate from your business the revenue you generate from your business you should have certain goals on that are growth focused how much do I want to grow my business how what kind of growth do I want to achieve this year and that's fine but when you try kind of narrow that down to this is a sales target and I have to do this amount of sales every single month, you then really potentially corner yourself to a situation where you are now talking to people who might not even need your services, who might not even benefit from your products or service just to try to get that sale. And that is really when sales becomes that type of awkward, pushy, salesy conversation instead of the, how can I really find out if you need this, you need what I'm offering and you will benefit from it. And if you will, then I will do my best to show you how this can help you so that you can really take this to transform your life. And if we were to talk about this specific subtopic, uh, which is in the sales conversation, a lot of people think it's about, or, or they might have this conception that it's really about selling. But I think sales is more about how can I, really change or change or, or benefit that other person in a way that they might not think of or they might not really see right now. And, and the sales conversation is helping them see that your product or service is really beneficial to them or is what will help them transform or take their business, their life, their marital life, their relationships, whatever it is you offer, whether you're a mindset coach, relationship coach, whether you just sell t-shirts, it's going to help them in some sort of way in their life. What do you think about that? Um, I think absolutely. Um, you know, you talked about selling that change or transformation, uh, and I want to touch upon that. And in order for us to identify that transformation, we have to, you know, all of our high ticket clients I've, I've, I've had to work with, I've always had to sell an idea 
Yeah. And, and that's a change and transformation. You need to see it as an idea. You know, that service that you're providing, it's, you yeah. need to say it as an idea and how it's going to benefit them. And you have to convince them of it. You've got to convince them, is, is this is my approach. This is my methodology. It's like marketing, right? There's a hundred ways to market your business. And every agency you go to is going to sell you a different idea of how to sell something, right? But if you need to sell them on the idea that my approach is the best approach and you have to see if it's the best fit. So rather than seeing a call as, okay, I need to sell this person or I need to get a transaction for them, you need to see as, okay, I'm going to identify if my idea resonates with that individual and is this idea or this approach or is my service a good fit for them in this current situation? Mm-hmm. So it's and more like what they call it a discovery call rather yeah. than okay, a sales pitch. And I think that's something that, especially when starting off, and I and I see a lot of my students falling into this trap where, if they if they get someone that's interested in the services, then they they get really excited and they get really happy, and then they might still want to work with that person despite that person maybe not being the best fit, maybe not being really the right customer for them, and so really an important piece of that sales conversation, or I would say even the majority of that conversation should be focused around, is that person a good fit for whatever service you're offering, for whatever product you're offering? And we're talking really, we want to focus this conversation around high ticket, because I think that's what most entrepreneurs in this group are offering right now. They offer services, they offer coaching, consulting, and they're usually priced at $1,000 or more. And when you have a service that is high ticket, the first thing you want to find out is, does this person even need your service, right? Should they be investing in it? And I think that's an important conversation because working with a customer that is not a good fit means that in the end, they're not going to be getting the results that you want them to get. And in the end, that's bad for your business because it's a bad reflection on you that you couldn't help that person or you couldn't achieve whatever goal or transformation you want to help them achieve because maybe they weren't good, a good fit. It wasn't the right time for them. And so I think a really key part of having a successful business and these successful sales conversations is making sure that you use them to understand, is this person a good fit or not? Because if they're a good fit, then that means they're going to be happy. They're going to get great results working with you. And they're probably going to give you an awesome testimonial. And if they're not, and it mean, that, that means they're probably not going to get the result that you're promising that they're going to get. And that's going to result in an unhappy customer, which is just always bad for business. Abby, I know it's like, and you can tell me with this, this is how you feel. You know, what is the frustration like when you have a customer client that you've worked with, but you've not had the impact that you wanted to make? How frustrating is that for you? Because I know for me, it's like, it, it, it's just, it, it's annoying. Because actually, I want to turn this into an amazing te- testimony. I want to make a transformation, but I can't because of this, this, and this. I wish I'd identified these things earlier. Yeah, I, I completely relate to that. And, and I could tell you that it's it's really frustrating because when your clients don't get the result that you want them to get, a lot of times, and we can't help this as entrepreneurs, we're going to feel like we're the ones that are not really stepping up to the role as we should be. And we might not be doing the work that we should be. And that might be counterintuitive because your offer might be great. Your service might be perfect. Your coaching program might be exactly what it needs to be. But just because you're not working with the right customer, that means they're not getting the results that you want them to get. And, and that's really bad for your mindset and for your psychology because it feels terrible. You feel like, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm promised this and I'm not able to achieve it. 
and it starts to become a ref we unfortunately make it a reflection on ourselves and our ability to serve our customers. Also, we have to look at is you know one of the things we you know when we talk about being a good fit for you, the amount of effort that they're gonna put in, because you gotta remember you're only as good as if they're going to meet you halfway, even if you're delivering marketing for them. Like I've had to do a social media handover call for a, for a client that I've had to let go recently. And it's because that they weren't putting in the effort in order for to get the results that, you know, that I wanted them to achieve. So if they're not going to meet you halfway and if they're not going to execute on what you're saying, yeah. and if they don't make that time or commitment to do that, then that's, again, like you said, it's going to come back and reflect on you. So a lot of the questions that you need to ask them on the call is, you know, how much time do you actually have to spend on this particular area of your business or this particular area of your life? Yeah, definitely. To understand that really, are they going to be able to commit? And that really brings me to a, another really important topic, which is you mentioned that if they're, if they're not a good fit and you work with them and you don't get the results, it's a reflection on you. I think as well in the sales call, when you tell them that they're not, you know, they might not be the right client. And as you mentioned right now, you had to turn down a prospect. When you do that, that person, it might not have been the right time to work with you. It might not be that exact moment where they can work with you or they're a good fit. But if ever in the future that happens, it becomes the right moment in their life. They're 100% going to go and look for you and seek you out and work with you specifically. Why? Because you had the decency to tell them, hey, listen, I, I know that you want to give me your money. You want to give me your money right now, but I'm telling you, this is not the right time for you. This, this is what I think you should do. And it, it's probably a better avenue for you right now. In the future, if things change, come back to me. And when you do that, that person really feels like you're genuine. You're, you're really seeking to serve them. You're seeking to understand is, the, is what you're providing a benefit to them. And that creates a huge amount of trust. If you're just telling yes to every person, then people are going to start doubting if you really care, if you're really trying to serve. That's where I also feel at the same time that it's good to have another offering, you know, whether it's a, a product or an ebook or something that off the shelf that you can sell to them at a point in time. It, it also, you don't lose that customer. You also maintain that trust. So, for example, I know someone who's like, okay, they're not a good fit for my agency services right now. But oh, what can, what I can tell them is a mentoring, or what I can tell them is this Facebook group, or or this guide that I can get across to them. So sometimes, if you if they if they're not ready for your high ticket offer offer them something slightly different that will help them in the meantime. And it's, it's like, especially if you're at a stage where you've got a few high ticket clients, it's good to look at an alternative revenue stream. So you can then say, okay, if you're not ready for that, then I know on the call, okay, that's my, that might not work for you, but this might be a better option. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a really interesting way because I don't, I don't do that honestly. And I think that's a real an approach that I should also be implementing in my business, which is, to have some sort of mini offer, something else that you can maybe offer to people who might not be a good fit for your high ticket service, right? We all want to make, we all want to sell our high ticket coaching or consulting or agency packages. I mean, who wouldn't? That's really our bread and butter, but it is beneficial to have maybe something where you offer a little less, right? And it costs a little less, but maybe it has a wider audience. It has a more general audience that you could work with or, or that could benefit from this specific product or service. And that allows you to say, hey, listen, my coaching, my consulting, my agency services might not be the right fit for you right now, but we have this other thing. It's a, it's a lot cheaper and it's going to give you, you know, this much for your business or it's going to really help you in this stage of business where you're at. And I think that's key. How does someone develop that, Abdul? Because 
a lot of times we focus so much on our coaching or, or our main coaching or consulting offer or high ticket offer that we sometimes kind of think, okay, how can I offer something smaller, right? How, how does someone do that? Is it just one week of coaching? Is it maybe like an online PDF? What are your suggestions? I think there's loads of different options. It depends on what your high ticket offer is. Like my, how my high ticket offer is an agency service like yours. I'd be so for me, mentoring at a lower price makes sense. So I can charge five hundred pounds for like a, a three or two week program, for example, uh, and, and or, or a few hour calls here and there. So that that makes sense for me. But for others who have got coaching as their sole high ticket offer you can really package up that information that you learn and put it into four or five or six videos uh, and literally package that up and be able to offer that as a standalone product or a standalone course and say to them, actually, you know what, you can do this in your own time and you can just consume that information and have a goal for yourself. And if it doesn't work for you in, in the space of the next six to 12 months, then, you know, you know, it has, you know, then come back to me and we can actually work with you on a, on a, on a more one-to-one -one level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where you kind of help at least retain the customer a little bit, or you create some sort of open communication with them where it's not a straight no when you're kind of relying on them to eventually in the future think about you again, which I think they definitely will if you are honest with them on that call and tell them not a good fit. But you still keep a line of communication open. You you have some sort of transaction where, where you build that trust over time until they're ready for your high ticket offer. Absolutely. And, and, and again, these products can be used in different ways. So some of these products you can sell, but a lot of these products you can actually give for free. Um, not only will you, you can get a testimonial, but you can get your brand out there or even utilize that PDF that you might have created for one customer in particular and offer it out to everyone else and use that to you know lead generate. So recently I had a, a client that said to me, oh, um, you know, I, I don't know if this community thing is right for me. I don't know if this is, is service is right for me and I need to understand more. I need to have that chat with my team about it. And I said, okay, why don't I send this guide over to you? I'll create a guide and send it over to you. Um, we did that, but then I go, okay, this guide might be useful to everyone. So what I did was I, I put it out as a Facebook status. I literally said, here's a free guide. Um, I've created a free guide. Who wants it? I had over a hundred comments in, in, of people asking for that guide within the 48 hours. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of leads. That's me. I can reach out to them and even connect with them and say, what's your email? So I can build a newsletter. I can add them into my Facebook. I can generate more business from these little products that you might create for your clients. Yeah. And I think that's really key because it kind of creates these micro transactions and every transaction builds trust with the customer. The second a customer takes out their credit card and makes a payment, whether it's $2, $7 or $1,000, that in itself is a sign of trust. And we all have heard it before, uh, the uh, the old quote where a, a person needs to see a business or needs to interact with your business seven times before they buy. Well, when you create these micro transactions that you can then lead them to, then that really helps you build trust for when they're ready to make that big investment, if they're not ready right now. However, I have to caution against one thing, Abdul Shakur, and let me know if you agree with that. It's that I think those microtransactions should only be offered as a second resort or a, a last resort or a, an alternative to the main offer if they're not a good fit. It should not be have this or that because when you just come out of the blue and say, hey, listen, you can either buy this $49 thing, uh, which gives you a very minuscule amount of what I'd give with my full offer, or you can buy my full offer and it's that much. Sometimes someone who might've bought your $1,000 coaching or consulting offer, is going to be like, hey, listen, let me let me try it out with the $50 first, 
uh, before buying the thousand dollars, and it might actually have you miss out on the sale. What do you think about that? Would you th do you think that that might happen? I couldn't agree more. And there's this theory in sales which they talk about at three nulls. Once you get to the stage where they've kind of said no to you three times about a particular service, that means it doesn't mean a good fit for them. That's when you offer this as an alternative. Mm -hmm. Never go in saying, you know, I agree with you when you said never go in saying, oh, okay, we've got this low ticket or, or this high ticket. They're always going to go for the lower ticket option because they're unsure. But if you give them one offer, they just need to make a decision about one thing. And if that's a no, then you've got a backup option there available yeah. for you. But don't be promoting both. Like I always, I don't even sell my mentoring program anymore because I'm like, okay, it's only a backup because it's a good revenue stream to have, but it's not my core thing. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I think if you kind of use those as a second option for people who are not a good fit, that's when you can really take advantage of that to inshallah grow your business. And not only that, but again, save those customers who might not be a right fit for your main high ticket service or offer at that specific moment. Now, Abdul Shakur, I wanna pivot the conversation a little bit and talk about the psychology and the mindset behind sales. Now, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, they really focus on the sales call itself, on how can I, once I have that prospect on the phone, make sure that we have a conversation where if they are a good fit, ends up in a new client or a customer, or they buy my service. However, I feel like, or I, I know from experience actually, that a lot, a major part of what happens on the call is actually determined before that person ever gets on the phone. And it's the psychology, the mindset, and also the prep, the state that you are in and the state that you put your client in before that call. And before I elaborate on what I mean exactly. I want to get your thoughts on that. When we talk about state before a phone call, whether it's your client's state, their mindset, or whether it's your mindset, what does that bring to mind, Bullshkor? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is um, desperation. Uh, and mm. I say that word often, you know, a lot of people are in business, they're struggling and they do it for financial reasons. And uh, we can sell in desperation because, okay, we want to, we want this holiday or we want to buy someone something nice or we want to pay, use it to pay rent. When you're doing this out of desperation, I realize that I'm less likely to sell. So you need to right. be in kind of an abundant mindset where you're thinking, okay, I know this is going to add value rather than, okay, I need this for my own gain or because I'm desperate and I need, I need to pay rent tomorrow. So it's like, I realize business will only come if you, if you, if you're, if you you do it from a place of gratitude and if you do it from a place of abundance so that's kind of mm -hmm. like my mindset of what i try to do first but there's a lot of prep work that goes into sales which i'll, I'll let you touch upon sure man and, and i want i want to get your feedback to on what you prep so this is what we'll do i'm going to tell you how i prep for a sales call and i want to hear how you prep for a sales call and then we'll we'll see if we can get some tips from both sides and then i also want to talk about how you're going to prep your clients for sales call guys so i know there's going to be a lot covered today and again guys this is as you can see this is rapid fire we're just dropping value bomb after value bomb so if you're enjoying this drop hashtag value in the comments and make sure to stay tuned inshallah for our q a so how i prep for a sales call what i personally do to make sure that i'm ready is the first thing if i know i have a sales call on that day and i want to really make sure i'm in the best state is i exercise and I know it might not seem like it's related to sales. It might not seem like it has anything to do with closing clients on the phone. But when you first wake up or you start your day by getting into your body and just clearing your mind and getting those that dopamine and those endorphins going, 
right? And getting all the, those chemical reactions happening in your body when you exercise that are all positive and good for your brain, that really helps you have the energy required for presenting your best self on that phone call. And I think that's really important when it comes to making the sales. So the first thing is I exercise. It really makes sure that I have my energy built up and nice. I make sure that I'm aware my brain is fired up and I'm ready to get going. And the second thing is make sure that you don't eat any unhealthy food at least I would say an hour before the call. I want to you you don't want to hop on the call and you're still digesting and you just finished the giant 12 inch pizza and you're just groggy and your mind's foggy. You don't want that to happen on a sales call. You know, you're mid, you're mid word and, and a burp comes out or something happens. You don't want that happening guys. So the first, the second thing I do, we talked about exercise is I make sure that I'm not eating about an hour before the call so that my body is not using all of that energy to just digest my food. Right. And I have that energy, you know, in, in, really readily available for that phone call when I need it, inshallah. Another thing is meditation for me. I think I'll take, I think meditation is a huge important and is a huge part of, of being successful on a sales call. And I take about 10 minutes before a call to take a walk or maybe just sit on my balcony if it's nice out and really just empty my mind because a lot of times that anxiety creeps up right before a sales call. It's like we have that pressure and we want to make sure that, you know, oh man, that's, that's the client that I need. They seem like a great fit. I want to make that sale. And we start to panic and we stress. And then we get on the call and we're talking at a 200 mile words per minute and they can barely understand us because we're, we're so stressed out and we're anxious. So I think another really important part of being ready for that sales call is just taking 10 minutes, whether you meditate and, and whatever that means to you, whether it's just, sitting outside for 10 minutes and taking a deep breath and, and relaxing yourself and being in the present moment, or whether it's just lying down and taking 10 minutes for yourself to recharge, just take 10 minutes, take 10 minutes. That's all in all you need to refocus, rebalance. And I would say the last thing is your actual sales call prep. So make sure that you're prepared, you know, what questions to ask, you know, you studied that person that's getting on the call, whether it's through a form that they filled out or whether it's, you know, through their social media profiles, make sure that you have as much information as possible on that potential client that's getting on the call with you so that you seem prepared and you look like you actually know what you're, what you're talking about and you know questions to ask on the call. I would say those are the four major questions and or I would say four major strategies that I would follow for a sales call prep. There's a lot more and, and more details, but I think if you just do these four, that's already going to tremendously make a difference on how your sales call goes and the result that you get on that call. Now, I want to get your feedback. What does sales call prep for you look like? I think I love what you said about energy and changing your sort of mental state or where you're at in that journey. And for me, a lot of it has that got to do with hygiene. So I, I will like have a shave, I'll go have a shower, I'll, I'll come back and I'll, I'll wear my suit on, I'll, wear, I'll dress up and I'll have a shirt on. And I yeah. think that makes a big difference for me because I'm like, okay, I'm ready, I'm clear. So it's like, it's like yeah. when, you're, it's when you're having a shower, it's like you're kind of like cleansing yourself of everything and you're giving yourself time to base, be able to just relax and switch off and not having to think about something. Um, and then I would say is once I've done that, I try and pray. I try and uh, and try and pray, even if it's a small sense of okay, I, I'm grateful for everything that I have right now. So a sense of gratitude is important to me. Uh, 
Maybe it's, it's a bit of professionalism. I think a lot of people miss out the sense of professionalism. How you take the call, where you take the call, for example, is is the lighting good enough? Is are you seated in an airspace which is clear? Certain things which I feel like make a big difference. Have you followed up with your client just to confirm that, you know, confirm the actual call in itself? So I might send out a reminder. Um, I might just quickly say, hey, I'll be with you in this in this minute or I'm looking forward to our chat shortly. And that way you're touching base because a lot of the times people have forgotten about your call or life happens, things get busy, especially business owners, things get very busy for them. So yeah. always check and, and have a reminder set to remind them that they've got a call later. Uh, and that's kind of a nice way to do so. Um, thirdly, I think last but not least, I, it's something silly, but I like to get a cup of tea. Um, I like to make myself a cup and sit on my desk. I, I realize the more sort of sales calls I have, the more cups of tea I have. So I just, I, I don't know, probably just a, a subconscious habit of mine, but it's something that I've learned to just kind of like enjoy. I, you know, it helps me switch off and relax or just, just kind of like get myself ready and into the zone. I think that's really interesting because I think a cup of tea does the exact same thing for me. And it's so huge. It's there's something magical about a cup of tea where it just really relaxes your nerves completely and gets you in that, that really calm and relaxed state. And, I have a question for you, Abdul Shakur. How do you avoid, because I'm someone where if I drink a cup of tea within 15 minutes, I need to head to the bathroom. So I can't do that before a sales call. I'll be in trouble. How do you avoid that problem? <laughs> I want to make sure you go to the loo before you start a call. Oh, um, so <laughs> I, I think I always make, I, I give myself enough time. So if, if I'm, my call is at, say, for example, one o'clock, I will sit at my desk at half 12. So if if I can avoid anything from going wrong, I've got half an hour to deal with it. Like my internet going wrong, or my you know battery being charged, or or something you know just something silly that could crop up, or or my wife might ask me for something. Like there's so many different things that could go wrong in a moment in time. So give yourself enough time period for you to for you to be able to deal with things and come up with solutions. Hundred percent, and that's the pre-call prep, and it's just gold after gold and value bomb after value bomb on this episode. Now I want to talk about. We talked about how to how for ourselves as entrepreneurs, as consultants, coaches, marketers, freelancers, whatever service you offer, this is how you prep for the call. But now, another aspect of prep that is I feel not talked about often enough in the sales world is prepping your client for the call, how important it is to actually prepare the client for the call to position yourself as an expert to increase their level of trust in you and your services before they even get on the call so that when they're on the call, all those objections that might have come up when it comes to, hey, how can I trust you? Hey, you know, do you have a history of working with other clients? They've already been taken care of, right? They already know that you have client history. They already know that you have happy clients. They already know that they can trust you because of all the awesome testimonials and social media posts you have. So how do you make sure, Abdul Shakur, what's your technique to preparing your clients for the call, to making sure that when they got on, they're really in the best possible state to have that conversation with you? I think it depends on the call itself. So if I know they're very interested, I will usually send over like a one-page document that they we can discuss on the call. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's important for agency service because I'm locking them into a retainer fee that's six months long or 12 months long. Yeah. So I, I need to send them something before I have the call. So I might just check if they've shown interest. I said, okay, you know, let, let's have a chat. And or I might do this on the first or second call. Where first call is just to touch base and, and get 
you know, get to know them a little. But if I've already done that through, you know, previous messages and previous interactions, I will send a proposal usually and I'll make sure that's sent and that's clarified. So if we're on the call, we're going to be discussing very things specific. Um, so it's important that I usually have something sent out. Uh, there's very specifics to discuss in the call. And so uh, rather than wasting my time having to go through the proposal and get them to review it, it's straight to the point. It's okay. Have you heard the proposal? Yes. Okay. Do you have any questions or thoughts that you'd like to discuss? And you've got all the objections in your head or you've got all these objections pre-dealt with, written down. Uh, and that's important as well. Um, the other thing about prepping a client is have you have you kind of tailored your process for them and what it means to them so if you're gonna if you're gonna speak to them about something always have the client know that this is what it will achieve for them so it's like you know it's letting your client know this is the reason for the call because we want to help you now achieve this right and so that is all clear yeah so making the goal clear so that yeah. reason goal making that clear is 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 super vital because it's like okay i'm gonna be on a call with someone i'm like okay is this you know the whole point of this call is to discuss how we're going to move forward i'll even send a personalized video message beforehand so i use a software called bonjoro which is you can send a video email and a call to action and okay. that video is, is simple something that pops up in their email just to clarify anything that they might have beforehand so when you're on the call you make it as short as possible because the longer they're on the call the more they're going to get frustrated, the more they're going to doubt themselves. So you're trying to keep that call as short as possible. So any resources like guides, PDFs, proposals, uh, a quick video to clarify something, any of that you can send before the call is ideal. I completely agree. And I think as well, a, a really key aspect of prepping the clients that a lot of people kind of miss out on is you mentioned an important thing, which is to make sure that you're almost preparing for those objections and eliminating them before the call, right? And and I think a key part of that is sending some sort of, well, along with those documents, sending some sort of one pager, whether it's on your website, whether it's on your profile, that, as you mentioned, explains a little bit about what you do and also includes some client testimonials on there. And if you have video testimonials, then that's a huge bonus, guys, because now more and more there's, you know, you can just write any testimonial you want on the screen and, you know, that's a testimonial. How do people know it's real? So I think video testimonials are how you circumvent that problem. Video testimonials are huge. They build an insane amount of trust for your clients. And if you have the ability to send them a one pager that just explains a little bit about, you know, hey, you scheduled a call with us here one day before. Here's here's a link that I want you to just check out. It explains a little bit about, about what we do and a few clients that we've worked with. And there's maybe a few case studies on there, a few video testimonials. It has your mission statement on this is who you help and, and how you help them do it. And anything you wanna include on there to make sure that when they get on the call, they don't have those objections. Again, like, how do I trust you? Have you worked with anyone before? You know, has anyone similar to me gotten the results that you're promising they're gonna get? All these objections that usually come up or any objection really that you get is usually based on either a lack of trust, they don't trust you, or it's a lack of you know, confidence in, in your offer and in what it is that you are trying to provide. And I think when you send a little one pager like that, that includes testimonials, that includes case studies, it really helps eliminate those objections before they even get on the call. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Like I will try and send screenshots uh, to explain the growth. Or like I, I remember sending uh, a recent client or a recent prospect, or here's a screenshot of the progress within 30 days. So yeah. that way, 
you know, I, I've got physical proof to show them. We've got, I, I tend to use LinkedIn recommendations or Facebook page recommendations uh, awesome. because again, people can, if it's written and people don't want to do video, they could, they've got a place to go where they can see actual recommendations written by the people. So I will sometimes screenshot LinkedIn recommendations as, as, an, as an alternative or, or, or go, or people who review my Facebook page might be the, uh, the other space by where we can, you know, by where they will see other testimonials. 100%. I think that's a really interesting and, and great strategy, which is if you can at least get them on video, get them to write a review on your Facebook or LinkedIn because you can't fake that, right? As long as it's something that you can't fake that people know there's no way that you just went and wrote that down yourself, then then you're good. Then that means that they, they can show up on that page and you have that trust factor there. You'll be able to increase their confidence in your services just like you want to before that call. And so a lot of the sale, as you can see here, a lot of the sale is made before the call happens, before you even get on the phone call, that's a majority of the sale is done in the prep, in your prep, making sure that you're ready, you're at that peak energy when you're getting on that phone call and also in prepping your clients by sending them these resources, by sending them these documents, by understanding who they are and what kind of objections they would have, by sending those testimonials and creating confidence. And so when you get on that call, the friction is is almost non-existent. There's no friction there and it's really they're open and you're open and you want to understand, is this a good fit? Can we work together? Can we make something happen here to benefit you inshallah? And to follow up, approaching the sales call from a point of, from a perspective of, of, of service and really we're here to serve, not sell. And I think that's a huge thing. What, what do you think of when I tell you approaching the call from a place of service at Bolshkor? I think, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, it comes down to desperation. If we're in a place yeah. of desperation, people will be able to smell that and see that from a mile away. Now, you can tell when you're when someone's trying to sell for their out of desperation. And that energy, whether it's body language, whether it's tone of voice, whatever it is, when someone is trying to do that out of desperation, you can you can tell someone you know people can feel each other's energy so straight away someone will be able to tell that actually this person is trying to just do it for the sake of money yeah. and i don't really and this, and this isn't an authentic approach um, so that's why i always say if you're if you remind yourself that i'm doing this for their you know for an act of service or for, for this to, to make their lives better then you're more likely to have a body language that's more relaxed and not desperate in any way shape or form yeah definitely and when it comes to to service, what I think of and, and, and really what comes to my mind is being being in a, a state where when you hop on that phone call, you are really seeking to help that person. And I think that really brings the drive necessary to push through those objections. Because when you hop on from a sales perspective and, and someone gives you an objection, it's like, oh man, I just, I missed the sale, right? But what if that person could, benefit immensely from your service. What if that, what if your offer, whether, you know, let's say your relationship coach and you were going to come get in there and you're going to maybe save someone's marriage. What if that was what's at stake here on that phone call and you're going to let them go because, you know, they maybe are not sure right now or they have some tiny objection that you could have answered. So I think when you approach it from a place of service and you really first and foremost understand what you bring to the table where you're offering with your service, then it helps you have the confidence necessary to push through those objections, to really drive through and make sure that in the end, 
you try your best to serve that person. You try your best to make sure that if you can transform that person's life, you try your best to have them get there, no matter what it takes. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's, if, if you want to break this down practically, I, I have this thing, I call, I call it a CQV. And CQV literally stands for curiosity, uh, the right questions, and value. Yeah. And CQV is, is something that I make sure that I've ticked off on every call that I have because one, in order for you to show that you're trying to serve someone, you, you generally show that curiosity. So you you know if you're in a meeting, it's like leaning forward. If if it's on uh, if it's um, if it's if, if someone is talking, just showing a genuine interest in their business and what it means to them is a great way for you to uh, for you to like show that curiosity across. Second is asking the tough questions or asking the right questions. Uh, a lot of people don't really have a list of questions on the uh, or that they have for a call, especially mm. that's specific to them or even a generic a list of questions that they need to ask at some point. Don't make it robotic, but just have a list of questions that you can ask them in order to identify whether you're a good fit and, and, and just to get, get more answers out. Because once you help someone understand that they have a problem and they need your solution, only then can you move forward. But they need to realize that they have a problem in the first place. And yeah. until you've helped them identify that they will not be they will not look at a solution so my first job is as a sales professional or as as someone who's on a sales call is to actually identify to help them realize that actually they have a problem but they're spending way way too much time uh, for example on my sales calls about identifying they're spending way too much time in the business and not on the business and i want to be able to save them that time to switch it for them but i need to help them realize that or i'm helping them realize that they're limiting themselves from growing because they're focusing so much on this so i yeah. will try to ask them the questions that will help me get to that answer in some way shape or form and the last but not least is value um i don't hold back um, I generally don't hold back. So whether they're, if you want to act from, if you want to come from a place of service, don't hold back when they're asking you questions about how to do something. Yes, you might give away too much sometimes, and it's natural to happen, but that person will always remember you regardless of whether they sign up or don't because you've given them an extreme amount of value and they will refer you. So I've noticed the people who, who don't really sign up, but I've given them an extreme amount of value will always recommend me every time another person asks for a recommendation and I'm, and I'm tagged in. So yeah. I've my whole personal brand or career on the back of providing the most value and 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 and, and letting that you know transpire three months it will they will get to a point where that will come back and, and support you. 100 percent And I honestly it's like we talked about where when you when when you approach from that place of service and, and you approach from that perspective of you know, you want to serve and you want to make sure that that person is is benefiting the most. That is what allows you to do what you just talked about. That is what allows you to get to that point in the call where no matter what, you're willing to give value, you're willing to help, you're willing to serve. And even if it doesn't end up in a sale, it's all good, but they leave feeling like you really cared about them. You really cared about their situation. You really cared about you know, what they could have gotten out of that they're working with you or out of their conversation with you. And if you approach it from a mindset of, hey, let me just go ahead and sell and, and let me focus on getting that that sale. A lot of times that's not going to allow you to do that. Right. And, and, and it really plays against you in the long term. So I think that's really important. Now, we're going to we're, we're going to 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 top off with with one last uh, question here that I have for you, Abdul Shakur, and it's 
a lot of people might deal with anxiety when it comes to getting on on a phone call. A lot of people might struggle with getting on the phone and talking to someone else, even if it might not be a complete stranger. It just might be someone you know that's interested in working with them. I'm not even talking about cold calls or calling random people. Someone's scheduled with you, but they're still they feel that anxiety, they feel that stress, and I mean, who doesn't, right? What are some tips on on dealing with that anxiety, on on dealing with that stress to to be more confident on that phone call? I think if you if you if you're struggling with anxiety or or this idea of selling, um, I always say to people, try and 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 kind of get your your energy into the state where you appreciate who you are as an individual. Uh, and this comes back to looking at what you've achieved in your career or looking at what you've achieved in your life. No matter how small it is, go back and have this sense of gratitude of, okay, look, I've done this, I've achieved this. And even if, for, especially for someone that's building a coaching business, yeah. you know, you, you might realize that actually why, you know, why should I become a coach? Who's going to listen to me? I don't have any value to offer. But then when I say to them, actually, you spent 10 years within HR, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't see that. Because sometimes we miss, we're so hard on ourselves that we're, we miss the amazing things that we've done in our lives. And I feel like everyone should look back and journal or reflect or even think about what they've achieved or the obstacles or challenges they've overcome. And when you realize that you've come through those things or you've achieved something in your life, it will give you the confidence to go out there and and and, and feel like, actually, you know what? I'm worthy of this or I deserve this business or I deserve to have a happy life where my business is growing and I'm making the money to look after myself, look after my family and achieve the lifestyle that I want. Hundred percent, and a, a big part of that, or a strategy to do that, is to take the time to sit down. And I would say this: here's a tip: write down twenty ways that your product or service benefits your customer, and be detailed. Don't just say, "Hey, it benefits them because of my offer." Let, let's say, for example, I am a relationship coach, and I, and I help people, you know, have successful relationships. Sure, the direct response to my services for them to be happy in the relationship but how does that then reflect on the rest of their lives right and i want you to really go deep and and list at least 20 ways that your product service or offer helps your customers 20 different ways that it brings them benefit to their lives so let's say you know we talked about relationship that it brings them a more fulfilling more happy relationship but then what does that do that means that they now are happy a happier person they go through their day and they are in a better mood. What does that lead to? Well, if they're in a better mood, that means they're they're more likely to do activities that they enjoy. They're more likely to interact positively with people, and not only people, but strangers, family, and everyone else. What does that lead to? More b- better connections with their family, better connections with their friends. And what does that lead to? You know, more great moments. And, and you kind of you can go so deep with this. And, and I want you to go twenty layers deep. And if you take the time to actually do that and go twenty layers deep into how your product, service, offer benefits your customers, and and not only that, but then take the time to read that every morning and and take it in and believe it. That really allows you to get on that call with confidence that you know I'm here because I know this can help you, and I I'm memorized twenty ways that it can. <laughs> what do you think about that? I love that idea. It's the first time I've heard of it, but I, I think I might give that a go because again, no matter how experienced you are, and, and this is the truth, no matter how great of a salesman you can be or how much confidence you have, they will all face anxiety. We, it, yeah. it, 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 it's a struggle that we all have. I know that I still have it. Uh, even after I know, I've sold 
I've sold probably thousands of pounds worth of services and I've worked with a huge amount of clients from across the globe. Like I know I've done that, but still I when I when I comes to it, there's still a bit of anxiety. And that, you know, that might be for from different reasons. But we need to understand what those anxieties are and where yeah. they come from. Because sometimes it can come from things like, okay, you're the people close to you not believing in you. And you gotta understand that sometimes that you have to go back and look at your past and deal with those challenges or even address them by saying, actually, that's not entirely true because I've done this or or this has happened in my life. So that can't be true. So going back and looking at why you why you have anxiety in the first place could be help you, you know, deal with it or, or address it more long term. Yeah. And really a key part of that is as well, reminding yourself that person is getting on that call because they're interested in what you have to offer and they probably need it, right? They saw a need. They saw a reason for them to get on a call themselves. And they are also getting a call on a call with a stranger, right? You might not know each other and they're willing to do that because they believe that you can help them. So you want to make sure that you remember that and you keep it in perspective. That person scheduled a call because they're interested because they believe that I can help them. And so I really want to see how I can serve them best and approach it from a place of service. When you approach it from a place that we talked about it and I'll bring it up again and again, when you approach from, from an area of sales, you have that stress, you have that anxiety. But when you approach from a place of service, Hey, I'm here because I want to serve you. How can I help? How can I help you? How can I bring some benefit to your life? that really helps that stre those stress and those anxiety levels. Absolutely. And, and I think the I think we all have to realize at some point that prospecting or especially sales, it, it's it sucks. Let's just be yeah. real about it. It's not yeah. any to do and it's not the most it's enjoyable not, thing to do. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. And it's but it's something that we have to do in order to help our business grow. So you have to find just or give yourself a reason to fall in love with it. Like I give myself the reason to fall in love with prospecting because I get a kick out of getting the deal. So I get the kick out of rewards. So I remind myself of that. Or I remind myself that I that it, it, this will help me achieve this or, or this will um this will increase my confidence in this area of my life if I'm able to overcome this. So you know, again, it's not something that we enjoy doing. I don't enjoy sending video messages out to people, I don't enjoy doing all those yeah i do them because i understand the value of what they can do for me as an individual or for my business 100 percent. and to really just i would say approach as we approach the end of the call one last thing that i want to mention is abdul shakur you have an agency where you sell a high ticket service right and i have as well we have an i have an agency as well marketing agency and i, I sell a high ticket service it's priced at a thousand dollars or more a lot of people have some insecurities when it comes to pricing their services at a thousand dollars plus i would say two thousand dollars three thousand dollars four thousand dollars because they believe how is anyone going to pay me that amount of money and how can i convince someone to pay me that much on the phone and it's not really an issue of convincing because on the sales call your job is not to convince your job is to serve and i said i'll repeat it again so i am repeating it again when you get on the call and your aim is to convince you are setting yourself up for failure. But when you get on the call and your aim is to serve, you are setting yourself up for success. So some people have a, a mindset issue or a fear around pricing their services at a high cost, at $1,000 or more. How can they get over that fear? Or, or when would they know that, you know what? It is worth that much. My service is worth $1,000 or more. My product is worth $1,000 or more because it brings even more value to their lives than what they're paying me. How can someone get into that mindset and overcome those insecurities around pricing? 
I've got two things that I, I always say to people. I say one is is look around because mm. people who are less intelligent in you uh, and less, uh, I'm not just saying this in a demeaning way, but there's people out there who don't have the same amount of knowledge as you or don't have the same amount of experience as you, yet they're charging probably double or triple their services. Because there's people out there that do that. There's people out there that are making money. So you're kind of saying, and then, uh, that's, so I would say to people, look around you because there's people out there making money which you can actually earn. So you're stopping yourself from earning something when other people have have done it and then probably not as experienced or they haven't done enough prep or they don't care as much for their clients. So that's the first thing I say, look around you. The second thing I say is you're not for everyone. And, and I realized this probably a lot later on than I should have. Not everyone is my potential client. And the minute you understand that is you go around looking for the people that you want to work with or they feel like the ones that are going to be the best fit or the ones that are going to value what you have to offer. So sometimes I shift my business because I'm like, okay, I'm not valued in that area. I need to go find someone else or I'm going to find a different industry where I am actually going to be valued. So again, sometimes it might just be a case of shifting your industry or shifting your business, but also just, just shifting the type of audience that you're going for. If, if someone doesn't value something, go somewhere where you are valued. Speak yeah. to people who are value you, the people who might engage with you from a distance or people who uh, interact with your with your content. And you only know that until you put out you put out marketing out there or you put things out there. So I, I'd say is understand you're not for everyone. Keep looking around. There's people out there that are probably not as smart as you, but are, are, are making more money than you. So yeah means in itself that you've got the potential there you're stopping yourself and the minute you realize you're stopping yourself then you can truly go out there and say okay i'm gonna go out and serve because i deserve this yeah and one thing as well about pricing that i want to mention is a lot of people have have difficulty pricing their services or valuing their offers because again you're offering something that's intangible right if i came to you and i told you listen, how much is this lawnmower worth? Well, you're going to think, well, what's the average price of lawnmowers? What material is this made of? Is this is this good craftsmanship? All right, maybe we can sell it for 300, let's say 400 bucks. But when I come and I tell you how much is your coaching worth, how much is your consulting worth? A lot of people struggle with that because it's intangible, right? It's not something that you, you can really price based on materials that you've used or craftsmanship. So how do you price your coaching or consulting offers? How do you value them? Here's my advice to you guys. We talked a little earlier about writing down 20 ways where your service, whether it's coaching, consulting, whether your products, how they benefit your customer. We talked about really going 20 layers deep into how you benefit your customers and what kind of transformation do you bring to their lives? That's one part of it. A second part of it is going to be, I want you guys to think about how much it's worth for your clients to undergo the transformation that you offer or what kind of benefits and value that your service brings and how big of a transformation is that going to be in their life, in their lives and in their business. To give you guys an example of this, I work as a marketer in my other business and we have a marketing agency. A marketing agency, you can pretty, pretty much price it based on value pretty easily because I look at the services that I offer is digital marketing. I offer Facebook ads to my clients. I charge $1,500 a month. And I know that with the amount of leads and clients that I send them, they're going to be making more than $1,500 in income. However, let's say you're a relationship coach. Let's say you're a mindset coach, or you offer some sort of consulting that is not specifically based on income. 
you're not helping someone get some sort of income. You're maybe helping them. Again, we talked about getting a better relationship, getting a more fulfilling relationship, or you may be helping them overcome mindset issues that stop them from living a fulfilling life or uh, living a life where they can be their best selves. How do you put a price on that? Well, that's really the question that you should be asking. It's how do you put a price on that? Do you think that someone that's, that goes from maybe an unhappy relationship or maybe a place where they're not able to wake up every day and do the things that they love because they might feel depressed, they might feel anxious, their mindset's not in a good place. And you can go in there and you can help transform that and bring them to a place where they are able to wake up every day and do the things they love and be their best. How do you value that? Do you think that's worth $100? Do you think that's worth 500 Do you think that's worth 1000 In my opinion, if you can have someone undergo this major transformation, then it's definitely over $1,000 because everything that you'll bring to their lives, all the results that they're going to get from undergoing that transformation are going to be worth so much more. And we talked about going 20 layers deep because when they go through that transformation, it's not only the specific impact that you see. It's not only having a better day, waking up and doing the things they love, but when they wake up and do the things they love, what does that mean to how they treat others around them? What does that mean to how they approach their work life or their business? What does that mean to the kind of interactions they have with people, the connections they have with people? And you know, when you think about that transformation and years down the line, the benefits they're gonna get, don't you think that's worth at least $1,000? I definitely think it does. So if you're anxious about pricing, if you're not sure that the value you bring to the table is the price that you're charging, take some time to be honest with yourself and really dig deep on what benefits you bring. And we talked about 20 layers and also, that transformation, what value does it have? What kind of value can you assign to it? And most of the time you can't assign a value, but you wanna at least charge someone enough where they can commit and they're serious about working with you and they're committed to getting the result that you're promising, right? They, they invested their money, so they're willing now to invest their time because they know, hey, listen, I spent $1,000, I spent $2,000, $3,000 or more. So I need to get, you know, I need to get my money's worth out of this. So I wanna make sure that I work with that person and I put in the time and I put in the effort. Whereas someone, that pays a hundred dollars is going to be like, ah, it's a hundred bucks. You know, I don't have to invest a lot of time into that. What do you think it's about funny. that? Go for it. It's funny you say that because I feel like if people are willing to pay a thousand pounds for an iPhone and I, I, you know, what, what makes people, what makes you think that people won't pay something that's going to really have an impact on more than just, okay, the temporary hire of having a brand new phone, they're going to have something that's going to be with them for life, especially for yeah. some of the relationships or the service providers, you know, even for in marketing, people have branding, you know, regardless of how much effort you do and how much you might not get the results, brand and community is for life once you have a brand or once you have a community regardless of what you do in the future you still have that and that's priceless that you pay for the other thing i always say to people is how much is this problem costing you and what is this problem or what is this problem stopping you from doing and that's when the problem is then being focused on and and you really start to dive in deep into what impact is this having on that person's life? For example, if the problem of not retaining their clients is costing them, okay, that, you know, a hundred thousand pounds a year, then you can, then you, you know, charging a thousand pounds a month is nothing. Yeah. If you, if you ask, if and you can't put a price on happiness because happiness is priceless. So if you're helping them become happier as as a person, as an individual, can you, re, you know? 
that problem is going to save them years of a headache, years of stress, and even possibly even some of the more challenging things like suicide or, or, or mental health well-being challenges. That, you know, that's someone's life at the end of the day. So those are the things that I always say to people is, one, you know, how much is this problem going to impact them? How frustrating is this problem? Is it keeping them awake at night? Most of the time, it probably is because business owners, they live and breathe. They live and breathe their business. And if they can't grow it, it becomes frustration and it becomes something that impacts them personally. Same with people in their lives. If a relationship or a marriage or something that's becoming an issue, and it's going to cost them because they're stopping themselves from finding the right person or solving this issue so they can be happier with the person that they love. So there's so many things that we often uh, don't think about or the problems that we, we we don't like. We focus so much on the outcome or the solution. We don't yeah. think about the problem that we're really helping people solve. 100%. I completely agree. And I think that's a really, really good place and we to, to kind of switch the Q&A. And we've tackled so much over this live and i mean so many value bombs were dropped so i just want to again thank you and give a shout out to abdul shakur for joining me today to just really break down sales on a very deep level guys and for those who missed the beginning or those who are maybe listening or watching on youtube make sure to subscribe and follow because every episode we're going to be dropping value bombs like this on this podcast now abdul shakur are you ready to dive into the audience q a we have a few questions here from the audience let's go ahead and answer them if you're ready Go for it. All right, let's do it. So the first one that we have here, and this is a really, really good one. It's going to be a bit more detailed. All right, guys, so bear with us, but we're going to try to answer this as best as possible. And we have an honest question here. Let me just go ahead and pull it up. And it was how to package the services. Let me see if I can get that. There you go. So how do we package and price our products and services for someone who is into coaching, training, and consulting? We talked about pricing. We talked about the value. So I think that part of itself, uh, we can skip or we can we can briefly sum up. But when it comes to packaging, how do you package something that's intangible, like a service, like a coaching or consulting? How do you do that? I always say to people, like, this, you're helping someone from A to B. A to B has a certain amount of steps that you have to take. Or the settlement, for example, if you're driving a car, has a certain amount of turns, certain things that you have to do. Similar yeah. to your, 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 you have to break your service or the transformation down into steps. These steps can then be packaged in so many different ways. You can package them in every single format possible. The format isn't really the challenge. It's it's, it's understanding that process or that step-by-step -step process and what's going to be of value to that person in that particular time. So if I, I can create standalone products for each little thing, or I can create one math big pro, one high ticket offer with all those steps with with tons of course materials, similar to what you do, Abby, with yourself. Like you've got your, yeah. your Sitsui program and it's, it's literally packed with all these steps and, and broken down nicely with video content and worksheets. And, and that's all I say to just figure out what your steps are and then break it down into into little you know whatever format you feel like you enjoy the most i think that's an amazing answer and i couldn't answer it better it's to really think of okay you have a starting point you have a goal what are the main steps together and then you drill down and drill down until you have exactly what you need to take that person through right and as you mentioned it could be it could be online it could be videos it could be worksheets it could be phone calls it could be group coaching whatever format you want but it's to think of what those steps are to help someone go from A to B. And I couldn't have answered that question better. Thank you, my man. For those of you who have more questions, drop them in the comments for our Q&A, inshallah. And we have one more here. Let me go ahead and 
pull that up. And this one is a bit more of a techie question, I believe. Let me pull that up right here. And it's how to set up simple CRM so that after the calls, you can follow up. So it's a CRM question. It's a bit more of a tech question. I personally use Excel. I don't know what you use at Billstreetcore. I just keep track of everything in Excel manually, honestly. And that, that really does the trick for me. What about you? Um, I prefer Trello or HubSpot. Uh, one, because if you're speaking to a volume of people, you need to keep an eye on those relationships. So for me, uh, Trello, have a, a, it's a to-do list app. It's a free thing, but you can literally uh, you you can literally create columns, have tags, upload documents, uh, you know, attach reminders for you when to follow up. So you can do all of that in, in on a Trello board. Uh, HubSpot's my alternative. So like some of the relationships I have, I use Trello, but HubSpot is my agency sales thing because it's a free and again a free CRM, but it's a great way for you to track. You can send that email newsletters from there. You can integrate with so many different softwares. So I feel like CRMs are useful, but again, you have to understand until you're only as good as a CRM as if you if you use it. Yeah. Like, if you're not gonna use it, then there's no point having it. So you gotta find a CRM system so that works for you and that you feel comfortable with. Like you know, Abby loves a spreadsheet, and I don't know. <laughs> So, you know, that's absolutely fine. I particularly like my I like my HubSpot because, again, it helps me keep on track. And as long as you've got a space where you can make notes on comments uh, on, on the call or you can give yourself follow-up reminders or tasks, then then it's fine. So I, I say is find what works for you. Again, for every CRM, there's probably a thousand different CRMs out there. And, you know, you've got Salesforce, you've got HubSpot, you've got, you know, I used to work with Zoho, one of my clients, they had a CRM for literally everything. Yeah. So again, you can, there's so many CRMs in the world, you've got to find out what works for you and what's not going to waste too much of your time. Because a lot of people spend so much time updating their CRM, updating this data that they but they don't make it swifter. It doesn't, you know, just, they're wasting hours and hours doing that when they could be speaking to more people. So I try and save myself time with something that's, you know, simple and user interface is, is great. So Trello and HubSpot are my, are my sort of two examples that I, that I probably give. Awesome. And I and those are really great apps that I've also used in my business for other reasons. I personally like Excel because I just like to have full control over everything and I'm more of a manual kind of guy. But I definitely think if you find those CRMs useful for you, definitely go for it because most of the times they're free. Trello is free. HubSpot, I think they have a free version. Um, and I also believe even Asana is free. I use it myself every day. That's another one that you can use. So there's a lot of apps out there. Go ahead and find the one that works for you. And I think that's the best advice that you can give, which is see what you're comfortable with. T try Try them out, try a few of them out and see which ones that really benefit you. And I think part of your question that I want to touch on, because I really, I really like this question is so that after the calls, you can follow up. So you can see here, and it's something that we didn't really talk about, but it's the after call follow-up, how important it is. And I think tracking is so important when it comes to sales, making sure that you track every single call, you know, did that person, you know, end up being a client? If not, why, you know, track why they didn't close or why they didn't sign up so that you know what objections people have in the future you can maybe adjust to make sure that you respond to these objections but also to follow up you know if they didn't necessarily want to sign up in that very moment can you follow up with them let's say in a month or in two months and see if anything changed or maybe offer them to get on, the, on another call and offer them something different so follow-up is definitely key what's your opinion on follow-up Dilshkor? <laughs> I think follow-up is probably the one thing that most sales professionals don't do, and that's where the money is. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, often there's a, this idea of sales where it takes seven interactions to get a sale. 
Yeah. And it's, you've got a high ticket offer. Don't don't hang all your hopes on the on the one call because it might take you seven interactions or seven follow-ups for you to get that sale or to get that payment through the door. So I always say to people, look, you know, a call is great. But until you have those different interactions where you've addressed everything, and until they've signed that bottom, uh, that you know that paper or sent that, made that transfer to you or, or paid for something, then you're gonna have to keep following up. Like I'm obsessed with follow up because you know I, I follow up for months on end and and end and like <laughs> I mean you I know this because like again I follow up on conversations, I check in yeah. the messenger send uh, video messages to some of my uh, clients where I'm like, okay, there's too many emails going back and forth. So I will address all their answers in a video message, um, the video email software that I utilize called Bonjoro. Um, so there's, again, follow-up is everything, whether it's a simple touch message, just check in how they are, or it's a guide that you want to send them across, or it's a video message that you might personalize and, and, and get it across to them. Or you might follow up by literally just being on their radar. And yeah. a lot of people... Uh, don't do this. Like they spend so much time messaging or interacting with them when they want something, but they don't give value to them in other ways. So I will go and comment on their profiles or comment on their social media, or even share their one of their recent articles that they might have written yeah. and, and just engage with them on a more regular basis in as many different ways as I possibly can on, a, and on literally every platform. So when I'm on a call, I'll say, what client is my client on Instagram? Is my client on Twitter? And then subconsciously I will create content and share it with them specifically for that client. They might think it's for everyone, but it's addressing their particular needs. So once I've identified that this is a problem or this is one of their objections, I will go away and create a thousand pieces of content just to address that, address that objection and address those challenges that they may have. And again, the beauty of, of creating that content is that you can repurpose it for so many of your future clients. So don't be afraid yeah. to create something new. So again, that's just my thing and follow up you know I, i've been following up with some of my clients for three or four years before they sign up um especially for a high ticket offer but it's just yeah. again you have to be inconsistent 100 and i think really in the follow-up i mean i have a mentor and he tells me the money is in the follow-up so a lot of times that person might not again we talked about they might not sign up immediately but another key aspect is the ability to if they don't sign up track their objections and then create content based on these objections or create offers or little mini alternative. We talked in the earlier in the episode about creating maybe some sort of alternative offer for people who don't close on the major uh, high ticket offer that you have. So let's say you have a major consulting offer, coaching offer or product, and they don't necessarily buy that. Well, if you know usually what your client's objections are, you can have your second offer be an answer to that objection, right? If someone tells you, well, my objection is, um, you know, I want to sign up right now, but I might not be, uh, my business might not be at this level right now, or I'm not, I'm don't maybe think it's a, it's a good fit to do marketing right now. Okay. Well, you don't, no problem. Here's, we have a 50, $50 ebook. It teaches you how to do organic strategies, right? So if you're not ready to invest in ads just yet, it has all the techniques for organic strategies that you can do optimizing your page, et cetera. And that's 50 bucks. So that could be the alternative based on the objections that you're getting. And I think that's a great strategy to implement as well. Now, Abdul Shakur, uh, we just covered some questions and I don't want to keep you too long. We have an hour and 10 here. So if we end, and I'm going to ask you this and then I, I'd like for you to ask me back and, and we'll kind of see what answers we get. But if we were to end with this, if you can give one a one-liner to the audience to help them with their sales calls or their sales situations, you could give them one-liner, just one piece of advice that they could take home, that they could remember, that they could memorize, what would that be? 
Yes, probably the same thing. Okay, so um, <laughs> and and follow up uh, consistently. So make time, block out time for prospecting, block out time for follow up. Like okay. if you're not going to make those things a priority in your business, then you and, and you and you are expecting to get results, then it's not going to happen. So if you con- continuously create content, continuously prospect, continuously follow up, then you're more likely to to succeed. The minute you drop that, the minute you become, it's like going to the gym. The minute you become lazy, or the minute you you stop going to, you know, it's gonna it's gonna show. The effects are gonna show. So you need similar to, to the gym. You need to stay consistent in whatever you're doing. Hundred percent consistency is the key, guys. And what I would leave you with is this: for myself, my one-liner is going to be, and if you can memorize this, then I promise it's going to help. And it's that the money is in the preparation right? The money's in the preparation, right? What preparing your client for the call and yourself preparing for the call. So if you can combine that with follow-up, if you can combine immense preparation with great follow-up, I'm pretty sure you have yourself a solid sales system that's going to be generating an income on a consistent basis, inshallah, guys. So we should combine both lessons. Abdul Shakur, it is always a pleasure to have you on this podcast, my man. You continue to bring us value and continue to share with us just gems upon gems. How can people connect with you? What are you working on right now? How can people support you? Um, so I've started a, a newsletter that I, I want to start offering as much value as I possibly can. Yeah, I've got my Facebook group and et cetera, but I want to really offer value to people. So there's a, a platform called Substack. Um, so it's okay. called Communities connect.substack.com uh, and I'll, I'm probably going to follow up and put it in the comments at some yep. point as well. I'll, I'll definitely but, link it down. If people can subscribe to that email, they, they probably get a weekly or, or, or a, you know, an email every two, uh, probably twice a week, if anything, where I'm, I'm just dropping value and short snappy tips that they can start, you know, start implementing, especially when it comes to social media or building a community. Amazing. That's awesome, brother. And remember, guys, he is also part of the group. So make sure to drop your questions if you have them later. And I'll tag him so he can hop in and answer them as well. So thank you, Dushkur, for joining us. Communitiesconnect.substack.com. We'll drop the link in the comments, inshallah. Make sure to check it out. Subscribe. You've seen how much value is given on this podcast. And he's going to give you more every single week. Just go ahead and enter your email and you'll get that all for free in your inbox, guys. Again, thank you all for watching. Make sure to subscribe, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, whatever you are. Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Every week we bring you an amazing guest like Abdul Shakur here to drop gems. Abdul Shakur, thank you, my man. It's been an honor. We'll see all of you next week. Assalamu alaikum.